Hello, and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm one of your hosts, Yordana Osman, here with my friend and Chavruta and Gordon. Our daf today, Masechet Ta'anid, daf Chav Chet, page 28. Well, if you haven't yet, please register for our CM. We have really a great lineup of speakers, uh, including a meteorologist who will be sharing um, some thoughts about this uh, Masechet with us. Um, and we look forward to seeing everybody, God willing, on Sunday, December 12th. I'll jump right in here. Um, and one of the things that we were learning about with the Mishmar's Amamadot is that um, if there was a day, w- that there was one particular day, the Mishnah listed Rosh Chodesh Tebet as a day in which there was no Ma'amad service at all, right? One of the things we learned is that if there was a Halal, that would sort of do away with the with the Ma'amad service in the morning, a Musaf with the uh, Ma'amad service uh, at Mincha and so on. And so the Gemara wants to basically ask a question about why is the only date listed where there was no Ma'amad service at all, Rosh Chodesh Ma'amad. But shouldn't the Mishnah also say that in the first of Nisan, there was also no Ma'amad, right? Sorry, so with Rosh Chodesh Tebet, it was one of those days where it had all three of those special circumstances, right? Halal was said, presumably because it was Rosh Chodesh, but also because it's Hanukkah. Um, you also had, you no, know, so that took away the Mahmad in the morning. Um, you also had uh, a Musaf offering because it was Rosh Chodesh. And you also had a wood offering on the first of Tebet. So on the first of Nisan, you also have that it's Rosh Chodesh. So that has Halal and a Musaf. And there also was a wood offering um, as well. And so therefore there would basically be no Mahmad uh, service, meaning there was none of that special reading um, from uh, Bereshit. And so the question is, why wasn't that one mentioned in the Mishnah itself? Amarava, Rav explains, So what this really tells us is that the halal of Rosh Chodesh is not actually a biblical origin. In other words, for Tevet, the reason why halal was said was because it was Hanukkah, not because it was Rosh Chodesh. And therefore, the one of Nisan, the first of Nisan, the fact that it's not listed in the Mishnah what it tells us is, is that it was not necessarily a given that Halal was said because of Rosh Chodesh. Yes, there was for sure Korban Musaf, but not necessarily um, Halal. And that what Rav is basically saying is that the saying of Halal on Rosh Chodesh is actually not an obligation, but it's really, uh, it, it's customary. As opposed to the recitation of Halal on the first of Tebet, which you're really saying that not because of Rosh Chodesh, but actually because of it being Hanukkah. Um, so Rabbi Yochanan said in the name of Rabbi Shimon ben Hotzadak, right? So here they have a teaching about that there's 18 days when you say halal. What are those 18 days? Um, the eight days of Hanukkah, the Yom Tov Arishon Sel Pesach, the first day of Pesach, the Yom Tov Shalat Seret, um, the, uh, uh, the, the, uh, uh, oh, sorry. I actually, I missed the line here. Let me go back again. Okay. Uh, what are they? Shemona Yimei Hachag, the eight days of the festival, meaning the eight, seven days of, of Sukkot, one day of Shemini Atzeret, so that's eight. Shemona Yimei Hanukkah, the eight days of Hanukkah, so that gets us to 16. The Yom Tov Arishon Shel Pesach, the first day of Pesach, the Yom Tov Shel Atzeret, the first day of Shavuos. Ubagola Esrin Ve'achad Yom. And in the diaspora, there's 21 days. Right, what are they? Right, the nine days of the festival, because in other words, there's two days of Shemini Atzeret, 
Ushmona imei Hanukkah, the eight days of Hanukkah, Ushnei amin harishonim shel Pesach, the first two days of Pesach, Ushnei amin tovim shel Teret, and the first two days of Shavuos. So notice here, Rosh Chodesh is not mentioned at all in this count. Also notice that the Cholomoed and last day of Pesach is also not mentioned here. But the point here of our Gemara is, is that Rosh Chodesh is not mentioned at all. And then the Gemara brings a proof from like a real life example. Rav Ikele Lebavel. So Rav visited Bavel. Chazin Hudzaka Krau Halele Bereish And he saw that people were saying Halal on Rosh Chodesh. Sabar Kinhu. He actually thought of stopping them because you don't really need to say Halal on Rosh Chodesh. But when he saw that they were emitting certain sections, right, which is basically what we do, we don't see, we don't say a full halal, right? We say uh, a chatsi halal, we call a, a, a half halal, and it's really a bridge. We don't, we, we mit, we basically uh, don't say the part of Psalms of chapter 115 and 116. Um, so therefore, when Rav saw that they sort of said there's a bridge halal, shmamine min so we saw that this was basically just a custom that they were doing, but not necessarily because anybody actually thought that they were obligated to say halal. And then finally, there's another brace here, Tana, right, that a person shouldn't start saying halal, but if he did, he should start. So I think it's interesting to say, see sort of a, a discussion of a custom that for us today seems to be very much part of our standard tefillah, right? Everybody says halal and Rosh Chodesh. But, you know, and as you like to call these, these are sussing out Gemaras, right? It's one of those Gemaras that makes us see that some of these things actually sort of developed over time. And the Gemara itself, very different than what our practice is today, actually didn't uphold by what our practice is today. It really was called into question whether you should say Halal and Baruch Chodesh at all. I think it's fascinating, right? Because it's, it's again, one of these things of how our liturgy that we think of as oh so fixed you know is was coming to be like you know before our eyes so to speak yeah exactly Uh, and 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 we're really sort of and i think particularly around issues of tefillah we see a lot of this yes exactly right meaning if you if you i don't know you, you get your sidur right and you know what's in there and you think it's been there forever, right? Because it's it's such a firm printed book, you know, and it looks so official. And it is, but even the earliest Sidurim that were that we have extant are long after this time period in the Gemara. So meaning when and those Sidurim differ from ours, which I just think it's a really it's a strange thing to think about because so much of Judaism or our practice of it revolves around the synagogue and the synagogue service. And yet there was a time when that was so completely different. Um, I'm going to talk about a different aspect of the time that was so completely different. Um, there's a very famous discussion. And I always like to say, well, you know, famous. It's only famous if you really already know about it. What makes this one famous to me is the fact that um, I feel like every year people say at every fast day, the the historical fasts, besides Tarit Esther and Tisha B'Av, like what happened on this day? What happened on Aser B'tavit? It's coming up, right? What happened on on um, Shiva Sarbatamus? And so here we have the discussion of it, exactly what happened on Shiva Sarbatamus when the 17th of the month of Tammuz, when people want to know why is it that we're fasting that day, we have, and the Gemara here says, five, uh, five bad things that took place on that day, and it becomes the commemorative fast. There are these five bad things that happened to the forefathers on this day, namely. 
nishtabru haluchot, the tablets, meaning the, the tablets the, of the Ten Commandments that Moshe brought down from Har Sinai, that's the day that those luchot, that those tablets were broken. Now, that's not the historical motivation for the fast day, right? The fast day commemorates a, a certain segment of the, the process of destroying the temple. But once we've got, you know, once we've got this bad day, lo and behold, there's other things also that took place in that same day. How do we know that the Luchot were broken on this day? We know that on the sixth of the month, the sixth of the month, namely of Sivan, that's Shavuot, the Ten Commandments were given, were given to Bnei Israel. Rabbi Yossi Omer, and Rabbi Yossi says, no, it was the seventh of that month. And this is a, a debate about Shavuot. So there's a whole discussion here of what happened on the sixth, what happened on the seventh, right? Meaning maybe they were given on the sixth and then Moshe went up to Har Sinai, you know, for everything else on the seventh. And according to the one who says that they were given on the seventh, then Moshe also went up on the seventh, meaning everybody seems to agree with that. Because it says explicitly in the book of Shemot that Moshe went up on the seventh day. And we know that Moshe went into the midst of the of the cloud. And Moshe was up there for 40 days and 40 nights. Now, this is this feels like it's farther afield. Like, weren't we just talking about the broken Luchot? Why are we talking about the beginning of Matatar? But this is exactly how the Gemara is going to figure out the count, right? They Depending on the day that Moshe went up, and then we're going to count 40 days and 40 nights. Either way, we know what day he went up because he went up on the seventh day. That's explicit. So when you take the 24 days that are left in Sivan, meaning let's count 40. So the first 24 of those 40 days and 40 nights are all in Sivan. And then we need another 16 days. That's Tammuz because that's the month after Sivan. And now we've got our 40 days. And then and then on the 17th of the month of Tammuz, Moshe comes down from Har Sinai. Right? Meaning that's when he comes and he sees that they're worshipping the golden calf and he breaks the luchot. So straight away, meaning it's a very um, immediate reaction to his vision of these people worshiping the, or dancing before the calf, whatever it is, right? He gets angry and he breaks the. So it has to be on the exact same day that he's coming down, right? There's no, there's no lead time or or delay between his descent and his actual breaking of the luchos. So it has to be that that's the 17th of Tammuz. So that's a pretty tight historical count. And then what else happened? But tell Hatamid, the Gemara says that, you know, of these five things, that the second one is that the daily offering was canceled. Um, and the Gemara says, it's, it, the Gemara here says Gemara, meaning the word Gemara means it's a learning or it's a teaching, it's a heritage, right? The idea is that there's a heritage, that that is the day that the Korban Tamid was canceled, that it, that it, um, stopped being offered. Um, and of course, this discussion is then taken specifically in the Yerushalmi, but elsewhere, right, to, to be all about all of the Korbanot. Here, it's a very brief uh, item on the list. Next, 
Now, this is the one I think that people think about most uh, commonly and where they really ask, you know, what's the what's the historical event that happened that we have this fast day? Um, this is at the, the city walls of Jerusalem were breached by the Romans. But but it was it really on the 17th? But don't we, don't we know from the book of Yermiel that it says specifically the date in the fourth month, on the ninth of the month, there was a famine that was severe in the city. And then it says after that, and then it says there was a breach made in the city, meaning that would suggest there was that the breach was made on the ninth of the month and not on the 17th. Amarava, lo kasha. So Rava says this is not a difficulty. Kan barish or not kan bishnia. Meaning there's a breach of the wall. I mean, it's a very sad story here. There's a breach of the wall in the destruction of the first temple. And there's a breach of the wall of the city of Jerusalem on the breach of the second temple. So on the first temple, right, this is the story of Yermiao, the walls are breached on the ninth. Barishona huvka ir batisha abatamuz. But on the seventh, the, the second temple, the destruction of the second temple began, or the, the breaching of the wall. They're not yet at the temple. They're at the city city gates or city walls. That was what was breached on the 17th. So our, our live commemoration, let's say, or memorialization of this destruction of the, the phenomenon of breaking through the wall happens on the 17th um, in, you know, with the second temple. And then the Gemara goes on to say, what else happened? The Saraf apostom, apostomos et atorah. Gemara. So again, apostomos burned a uh, uh, Sefer Torah. He publicly burned it. And again, we have this explanation. Gemara, it's it's a tradition. That's We know that it happened on this date. As opposed to, and I think it's really, you know, a real contrast to the careful math that is taken with regard to the breaking of the Luchot and the careful dis- discussion about the date of the breaking of the breaking the wall of the city and then lastly hamid on the 17th of tammuz is the day that menasha the king menasha put the an idol in the heichal in the sanctuary of the beit hamikdash but how do we know that the idea is that um the, the same time that the tamid, the korban tamid, the daily offering was taken away, well, there was this something that is, um, I mean, sometimes shekets is a creepy crawly. In this case, it's taken to be just something that is so appalling, right? So devastating. Uh, the idea is that then this is when there was an idol. It's a that verse is from the book of Daniel, and it says that there's an idol that was placed in the Beit Hamikdash on that same very day. That the korban tamid was suspended. So if we already know batela tamid gemara, we have a tradition that the korban tamid was canceled on the seventeenth of Tammuz. Then we can apply that to this time of the uh, um, erecting of an idol in the Beit Hamikdash. That also clearly was on the on the seventeenth of Tammuz. And then the gemara goes on to say, you know, was there only just one idol there? You know, all kinds of other things went on there. There were two idols, one broke, right? And we have much more discussion over the devastation that was wrought at this time, you know, the the downfall, really, of the temple, even before the temple itself is destroyed, the elements of it are really, you know, falling apart. Um, but those, but the point is, or my point here is that those, that is our list. Those are the five things. I would say two of which are a matter of tradition, one of which relies on that tradition, and then the other two, which are, I think, bigger and, and more mournful, um, are 
are very carefully learned out. So even somebody who wants to raise questions on how do you know that that tradition, like, well, isn't it just linking it to the day that's already said? The answer might be that that might be the case, but but we do have good reason for both from the Torah and then from from the destruction of the cities before the temples were destroyed uh, to put it on this day, to make, to recognize this 17th of the, ta- of the month of Tammuz as a, as a terrible day in Jewish history. Yeah, it's just interesting to see sort of the uh, distinction between those that are just sort of like it's tradition and then versus the ones that they really try to prove by some way, either with Sukim or something like that. Like it's, a, it, it, it's interesting that they're willing to accept both of those as ways of, of establishing the precedent of the five events. Yes, exactly. Well, that's our DAP discussion for the day. Rank us, review us on all major podcasts. Thank you to our Vinny Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hadron website. Let us know what you thought about this DAP on our Talking Talmud Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and learn.